story, which is um, a long time ago, 1990. Linda was, uh, and everybody knows me, so I get emotional. I'm just one of those guys that cry, man. I don't know why. I wish I was not a crier. So you get through it, I'll get through it. 1990, Linda's pregnant, and what a pregnancy it was. I mean, I keep thinking this is impossible, but she literally was in labor for 58 hours. 58 hours started and progressed and got worse and worse and worse, and the hospital was in Syosset, so we drove from, forget where we were living at the time, but we drove from wherever that was into Syosset, and by the 58, 58 hours was up, we were camped out in the lobby. Uh, we had taken, back then when they had this, the phones on the wall where you could put a quarter in and call somebody, we actually put a sign on there that said, out of order. So we would know when the doctor was calling down. I was running up and down. My mother-in-law was in the lobby. My mom was in the lobby. We were all camped out. And Linda was really going through a rough time, high blood pressure and everything. It was so exhausting for my wife, not for me. Um, and what happened was she had Robert. And they gave us this baby. I'll never forget this little beanie hat on. She was holding him. And we walked out of that hospital. And we walked to the car. And I remember thinking, turning around and going, why are they not running out and saying, we made a mistake. You two can't do this. You two idiots cannot take this baby. We, we, we have to take it back. And they didn't. So we're standing at the car. And I'm holding the baby. And Linda's holding the baby. I don't remember. We open the door. And there's a car seat. And we put Robert in the car seat. I think that's an easy thing. Robert gets in the car seat. And he goes... So we lift his little head up, and Robert goes, and we lift his little head up, and he goes, and we're standing there thinking, what are we going to do? At that moment, I see my wife, and I know for the rest of our lives, this is going to be some ride. This is going to be an amazing thing. She grabs Robert. She puts him in his arm. She throws the car seat over. She gets in. She buckles up in the back seat, and she goes, drive me home. How many laws are we breaking here? <laughs> so we're standing there, and I think I drove like two miles an hour all the way home. But I knew from that moment, my gosh, this is going to be something. To see my wife as a mother, who I'd, I hadn't seen that before, her compassion, her love, she would give her life for this boy, and for Patricia, and for Kara, for Emma, and for them to come. She would give the, her life. And I can see that. So what I wanted to speak to you about this morning was when she was holding Robert and she had her arms around him, it was, a, it was an image of what God does for each one of us. Whether you're a mother, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, it doesn't matter. God has his arms around you, especially when you're little. And he gives you parents, he gives you people, grandparents, whoever watches over you to be able to lead you to the Lord. And eventually, Linda and I, as hard as it is, have to do this and let them go to be with their Redeemer and their Savior. So this morning we're going to talk about Hannah, one of the most amazing biblical figures that you will ever find in Scripture. So we're going to learn about her. Her name, is, her name means grace and it means favor. So I'm just going to go up. I'm going to pray for all the moms today. And I understand as I look out and I think of my own life and I think of other people's lives, we are um, a congregation of different families. We have uh, weak marriages, strong marriages. We have single moms. We have divorced. We have, it, it's the whole gamut. 
So I understand as I speak this morning, I'm speaking from Scripture and from what God has there as a story of one particular person, but everybody here is different and in different situations. So I'm very um, sensitive to that and understand that. So I'm just going to go up, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into Scripture. And it's going to be 1 Samuel we're going to look at. And I'd like this morning if everyone could kind of follow along with me. 1 Samuel is in your pew Bible on page 263. So I will pray. Heavenly Father, it's amazing how much you love us. I just... I love the, the fact that, that you don't sugarcoat anything, and you certainly don't sugarcoat our lives. You do not give us lives that are easy. Not at all. You put us in situations that are beyond our ability. And as I said on this Mother's Day, there are so many different people here this morning walking so many different ways in life, but I pray, and I especially pray today, Lord, that each one of us will cry out to you, call out to you in our situations that you would help us, that you would guide us, that you would direct us. And whatever role you have us in today, we pray as we read Scripture, as we learn about Hannah, Lord, we pray that you would behold, behold wonderful things for us to see from your Scripture, that we would not walk out of here the same people. We would be different. We would be different people. Help us, Lord, we pray. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about Hannah being a reflection of God's love. Hannah being a reflection of God's love in her marriage, in her prayer life, and in her motherhood. So as we, I want you to follow along as I read a portion of 1 Samuel, and you'll find that on page 262 in your Bible, in the Pew Bible. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, son of Elkahu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But Hannah, to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? And why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, the Bible just painted a picture of, of a very dysfunctional family. There's so much good here, but there's so much bad here. The Elkanah is a good man. He loves the Lord. 
he worships the Lord. He loves his wife. He loves his wives, but he has two wives. It's not something that God honors, but it's something that they did for a reason. They had two wives because it would help the family prosper. And his first wife probably didn't, I'm sorry, she didn't. Hannah was his first wife, couldn't have children. So he probably married Peninnah in order to have a son. But this situation that they're in is not a good one at all. And you know, you think of what it would be like to live in that situation as Hannah. She's barren, she can't have children, but Peninnah can. And we just learned she's not a nice woman. She has no compassion. You would think that she was able to have children and that she would be nice to Hannah. But what happens is Elkanah loves Hannah so much that he gives her a double portion, it says. that she, He loved her so much. And of course, Peninnah was jealous. You know, in my life, I could not imagine ever, ever saying to somebody else that I love them besides my wife at all, ever. Except this week. Completely by accident. I text my wife, as I always do, and I wrote, I love you. I didn't think anything of it. So then at night, I, get a, I look at my phone, and I get a text. Wrong Linda. So I'm like, yeah, isn't that, isn't that great? And the other Linda was very gracious. And so was my wife, who was in the group te text. <laughs> so... That was how my week went. I'm thinking, Lord, you're just planning this out just for the sermon on Sunday. This is wonderful. And of course, my face was as red as it was right now. Um, but I can't imagine. Could you imagine living in that house as Hannah and Peninnah? Could you imagine that? And, and not being able to get away from your enemy. I may have enemies. You know, you go to work and some people don't like you. I get to go home. If you live in a house with your enemy, that's not a good thing. Just imagine Peninnah standing there saying to Hannah, you loser. You know, you can't have kids and I can. And all her kids standing there. It's not, it just, I'm just trying to paint a picture that you would be able to see what that would look like. And then you have Elkanah. Oh men, we say stupid things. I know I do, maybe I shouldn't talk for you. But I know in my life, especially Elkanah, you know, Elkanah says to, to her, well, aren't I as good to you as ten men? Ten men, sorry. Ten sons? Aren't I as good to you as ten sons? And he means well. He means that I love you and I'm taking care of you. I should be good enough. But he doesn't understand that the desire that Hannah has in her life comes from God. Her desire to have a son came from God. and It will not, it will not go away. So Elkanah says, aren't I as good? And I remember in my marriage, I could probably tell you a hundred things that I've said wrong, but I remember one particular time coming home and Linda had made dinner, the house was sparkling, everything was neat and clean, and she had worked all day, made dinner, and I came home and I didn't notice a thing. I mean, I, was just, I didn't notice anything. I, I, I just ignored the whole fact that she had worked all day for me. So she had said, oh, you didn't really notice anything. And I said, well, I can't really appreciate you on demand. Yeah, not a good thing to say. So, so almost 30 years of marriage, we still remember that. <laughs> not a good thing to say. So Elkanah means well. He means well. He loves Hannah. 
But you know what, Elkanah? No. I have this desire to have a baby, and you're never going to be able to fulfill that. You know, our first five years of marriage, we moved five times. Outside of death, I think moving is one of the top things on the stress level. Five times we moved. And there was a time that, you know, I don't know about you and your marriage, but there was a time we kind of looked at each other and we both were thinking, man, I don't know if we married the right person. You know, I don't know where you have been and where you're at, but we've been through stuff like that. And one of the best things that helped us was family life. You know, I thought God was putting us into full-time ministry to go to family life, but he really was doing is saying, Mark, you need so much help, you need to go to a marriage conference. So we went to like four or five marriage conferences, me thinking we're going to go help other people, and Linda and I wound up being helped in these conferences. And one of the things they did, and that I won't do it to you now, but when you go home, try this. You look at your spouse and you say, you are not my enemy. Matter of fact, they're not your enemy, but you know what they are? They're a gift from God. It may not feel that way. I'm certainly, and uh, my wife didn't feel that way when I was saying things to her like that, but they're not your enemy. They are a gift from God. And the, whole, the point I want to get as we move on to the next point, as far as a marriage is concerned, when I got married, I didn't understand this, and my wife helped me to see this, that we were a family. The two of us together, without children, are a family. And that just blew me away. I didn't understand it. How could that be? We don't have any kids. How are we a family? Well, we're a family because God has put us together, and we are both to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, and our mind, and put God first. And then when you have kids, if he blesses you that way, he may not, but if he does bless you, everything else is built on top of that. They get to see from your relationship forgiveness, sacrifice, perseverance, even hate, and what you do with it. What you do with those things. That is what children get to see. It's, it's like going to a whole lifelong seminary or a Bible school in your own home if you'll only let it happen. But what you have to do is both of you coming together and saying, God, we want you to work in our lives. Your kids will see that. So that's the most important thing. But Hannah couldn't get rid of what she was feeling about having a baby. And she was in bitterness. There probably wasn't a more bitter woman on the face of the earth. She wouldn't eat. She probably didn't sleep. She would cry. She, would, she was weeping. And that's why Elkanah said to her as they went to worship, and they would go to worship in Shiloh a couple of times a year. And as they went, each year that they went, it would be more. It says yearly, but it's actually more because they had more feasts. They had like three feasts, and then they would go more times a year. It would be a lot of times they would go to Shiloh, and at that time, Peninnah decided to ridicule her. And Hannah would be just so distraught. But as we go to our next point, the first point is Hannah reflecting God's love in her marriage. But the second point we're going to look at is Hannah reflecting God in her prayer life. You see, what she does is that she rises up out of her, her self-pity. And let me just be very completely honest with you. For me... Self-pity is, a, is, a real, is real. In my mind and in my heart, I think about myself all the time and, and how much I am not what I should be. And it gets to me sometimes that, I, that I'm a failure. But that's a lie. 
If you're a child of God and he has his spirit in you, don't ever listen to the voices in your head that tell you that you're no good. But here's, here's Hannah. Hannah's saying to herself, I am no good. I, I, I can't have children. And, and it's almost like everybody else can, but I can't. So you can get deep within that pity and never be able. It's almost like you're in that pity and you're down here. You're down here and you're stuck. And you can't get up. But what we find from Scripture is that Hannah rises up, but she rises up because she is going to God. She didn't let the problems continue to bother her. She let all the issues in her life draw her to God. And she went to God in prayer. I'm just going to read to you 1 Samuel. Follow along with me. Chapter 1, verse 9. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon my, your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and, and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of the great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went to her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in her course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to her son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. And now just turn with me to chapter 2. I just want to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, the first two verses. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Now, one of the best ways to pray to God, because sometimes I really don't know what to pray. Sometimes I want to pray to God, and I just feel like I'm praying, and my prayers go like this, and they go nowhere. And I don't know why. But I could tell you, Hannah's prayer, you know why it went somewhere? She was praying because she knew that our God, your God, my God, hears our prayers and he answers. And she knew that. She knew that I'm going to pray to the God who made the whole universe. He's bigger than Elkanah. He's bigger than Peninnah. He's bigger than my baroness. He's bigger than anything. And even if he doesn't answer my prayer, I'm going to pray to God because he will listen and he will answer. 
And he may have answered no. In this case, he didn't. But in your lives, I know God has said no to you. I know it. He said no to me. Why are you saying no? Well, I will find out eventually. But there's a reason. He's making you stronger and more powerful than you'll ever know. Hannah says in that last part of the prayer, you, you, um, this is what she says. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. And I read Scripture, and I'm like, is it a big horn she's playing? Like, what's going on here? She's saying, you're making me, my capacity, more than it's ever been, and I am strong in you and because of you. And I praise you. Her prayer also points to a deliverer. It points to Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, in the Old Testament, it's actually pointing to our Redeemer and to our Savior. Listen to 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. God's will is not your will. My will is not God's will. Hannah prayed that prayer out of the bitterness of her soul. And Eli, Eli wouldn't know a prayer if it bit him. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but here's a man who's standing there. This is the person, and she's respectful to him. Remember your servant. And yet he's looking at her saying, stop being drunk. And the reason why Eli's saying stop being drunk is because his son, he has led his sons run that temple into the ground, almost like a priestly mafia, where they are having people come and give their sacrifices, and they're taking the sacrifices. And if they said, no, I don't want to give it to you, they say, tough, we're taking it, or we'll do something to you. And all the young women there, they were um, sleeping with these young women in the temple. Eli says to her, stop being drunk. And I love Hannah because women, do me a favor. Men, do me a favor. Don't ever let anyone put you down. Stand your ground. And here's Hannah. No, she's respectful, but she says, I am not drunk. I'm not a worthless woman. And there is no worthless women. Hannah's standing there. She's saying, look, I'm not drunk. I'm praying to God that he will answer me, that he will give me a son. And I love the way she treats uh, uh, Eli. She treats him with respect, even though he doesn't deserve it. But then he realizes something clicks with him, and he says to, to Hannah, oh my gosh, may God answer your prayer. She is so happy once Eli does that. It says right there that she walks away, her whole countenance, everything about Hannah changes at that moment. It's almost as if what she needed. She needed someone to say, I'm praying to God for you. And she leaves and God answers her prayer. You know, my mother-in-law is one of the great, you all know how great my mother-in-law is. Yes, amen. And one of the things I always say to her, and sometimes she, I don't know if she likes it too much, but I will say, I'm going to come to you for prayer because I know God hears you. Not that he has to hear, you know, he doesn't have to listen to you, but he does. He listens to my mother-in-law. And I, I love to go to her. And you know why he listens to my mother-in-law? Because she's humble in prayer and knows who her God is. I don't know if you have a prayer warrior like that in your life, and I'm so thankful that I do. 
When we pray, we need to pray with humbleness in our heart, knowing who we're praying to. We're not just praying to someone who's just going to say, okay, great, here you go. And I know you've heard that all before, but it doesn't work that way. You need to pray what God wants. And the best way to do that is to pray through Scripture. So I'm pausing because I'm just pausing. One of the other things I, I, I want to just talk about is perseverance in prayer. And then we'll move to our next point, and then we're done. Don't ever, 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 ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up in prayer. How many of us have unsaved loved ones that we know, we know that God loves them, that Jesus Christ died on that cross for them? Don't ever give up. Until your dying breath, do not stop praying for your loved ones who don't know God. It's okay if you forget one day. I forget all the time. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying consistently over your life, don't forget that God is listening to your prayers. And I know many of you have stories of praying for your loved ones and then them miraculously by God being saved by their Redeemer. So don't ever give up in that way. Our last point is motherhood. And this really, for me, Hannah's reflection in motherhood, her reflection of God in motherhood, is the main point of the whole message. Because you remember Linda holding Robert? The whole point is, as mothers, as fathers, as families, as grandparents, as spiritual mothers, we are to tell kids about Jesus Christ and then we are eventually to let them go. How hard is that? I'm 53 years old and I can cry thinking over my kids leaving. Why are they not living in my house? How come they've all moved away, those rotten kids? How come they're not there? Why are they living their own lives? They need me. They can't live without me. They can't live without Linda. What are they thinking? God is saying to us, we need to, especially as motherhoods on this Mother's Day, that you are moving your kids to their Savior. So let's read our last passage to read this morning. 1 Samuel 1, 21-28. When the man Elkanah went up with his family to offer an annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him to present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah said to her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make his word only only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After she had weaned him, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here before you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. 
for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. You know, some scholars say that what Hannah did was when she weaned him, we might all think that just means that, that Hannah actually took the baby, she fed him, and then when he didn't need to be fed by her anymore, she brought him to the temple. And that probably would have been around, I don't know, I'm not, you ladies could probably tell me, two, three, something like that. But actually it was much later than that. And it was later than that because there was another weaning that I didn't even know about. It was a biblical one. In that society, they would teach their kids about God. They would teach their kids about the Lord. And they were not weaned until they were done knowing all about Yahweh, all about the Redeemer, all about God. Isn't that an amazing thing? I never knew that. So that was a very important part about weaning. He probably didn't go to the temple until he was like six, six or seven, which is still crazy to think about it. And one of the things about motherhood is you have to let your kids go. Imagine Hannah giving her kids go to evil. I already said Hophni and Phinehas, these two guys are bad news. There's no way, there's no way that Hannah and Elkanah didn't know that. Everybody knew that. And yet Hannah made a vow. She made a vow to God, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And Hannah keeps her vow, but not before she teaches him everything he needs to know about God. You know what? Samuel winds up being the last judge, a, a, a priest who um, anoints the first king, Saul, anoints David. He's one of the greatest figures the Bible has that God used. And it had everything to do with Hannah. Hannah's prayer. Hannah's motherhood, Hannah's marriage. Hannah's love for God is the main thing. And that's what really did it. So as we look into motherhood, think, if you're here this morning, think how hard it is to say to God, you gave me this child as a gift, he's, he's yours. How hard is that? That's a difficult thing. I already shared with you how hard it is for me. But what if your child comes to you one day and says, you know what? You brought me to church. I've been going my whole life. I think I'm going to Africa, to the mission field. I think I'm going to Thailand, to the mission field. I, 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 you know what? I'm going to give my whole life to God because of everything that you've done and everything that I've learned. And you know that there's some people and some parents in some places, including myself, that say, really? Maybe you might want to rethink that. Maybe that's not the best course for your life. Do you really want to go live in the dirt somewhere? Bugs. That's all I got to say. Deep wood deets. Whatever that stuff is. That's what runs through my mind sometimes. But what were we doing our whole lives? Bringing our kids to church to tell them about a God who could use them in the world and then to say to them, you know what, maybe you really weren't listening. No, they're listening and God is working. Let them go. Let them go. Mark, let them go. Hannah, let him go. Let him go with Hophni and Phinehas and with Eli. You know, motherhood's interesting. And um, I'll just apologize to the Schwams because I have a little bit of a story, but it's not a bad one. We went to Maine for 10 years with the Schwams and it was 
one of the, the best times of our lives. And all the kids would be there. And one particular time, we were, <laughs> we were in the lake. And um, Keith and I were in the lake. And Robert and Stephen were in the lake. And Barbara and Keith were back here. So we're playing and, you know, we're just having a great time. Oh, my gosh. That's a bird almost hit me in the head. Oh, my gosh. Keith and I are like, what's going on? The kids are ducking. Bats came out of, like, nowhere, flying down. So Keith and I, the strongest men you've ever met, just went. <laughs> and all we hear is Linda and Barbara say, the boys, get the boys. What are you crazy? We left the boys in the water. Do you remember that? Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. But that's motherhood. They're going this way, we're going that way. I should just end it there. As a matter of fact, I think I will. Because as I looked at my notes, I covered everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great and amazing love for each one of us. We thank you for Hannah. I thank you for being able to look at someone's life who doesn't live a perfect life, who lives a life that she needs to cry out to you and say, God, help me. May every single one of us here today cry out to you, God, help us. We need your help. Whether we're a mother or a father or a child, we need your help. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.